0: Well, the kids make their way back to their rooms. Uh, Before we jump into our message, one more thing. I just wanted to say how proud I am uh, to be a part of Warehouse Church. Because as I have uh, looked on Facebook, as I've been out in the community, as I've been to different places, I've seen a lot of you just jumping in and serving our communities and flood relief. Uh, I was at Wayland at the gym, and uh, one of our church members was there serving and volunteering. She came up and said, hey, I'm here to volunteer, as I was talking to the mayor, and she plugged in. I saw a lot of you on Facebook are doing things to help in, in so many different places. Some of you are serving at Jenny Wiley. Some of you are serving at Garrett. Some, I mean, just all over the place. And it's... It's so good to know that you are being the church, and you're not waiting on us to do organized things. You're just getting out there and doing it, and that's the way it should be. Uh, this week, though, we did have a team that went out to Wayland. We went to door-to-door and, and just asked people how they're doing and got to uh, um, ask them if what their needs were, and so we got to hear uh, from folks in Wayland and also from folks uh, in Maytown and, and got to meet some amazing people. We had some awesome porch talks because everybody was out on the porch, or they, were, uh, we would, they would meet us out on the porch. Porch and just share with us their story and talk to us about what's going on in their lives and it was just so uh, it was emotional it was it was uh, draining but it was also encouraging to see each other helping each other out and I love that about the folks in Kentucky y'all are just jumping in there and helping each other out and uh, we saw that time and time again we got to feed some flood relief uh, volunteers at Maytown on Monday Tuesday and Wednesday and that was great as well so our small groups took that on and, and did a great job there and fed the folks uh, and gave them some really good uh, desserts, by the way. That's all they talked about is they talked about the desserts. And so uh, so that was great. And so I just say thank you again. And we're not done. Like we need to continue to pray, but we, continue, we need to continue to jump in where we can. So I just want to invite you to, if you haven't found a place to jump in, Uh, Go ahead and like go to Samaritan's Purse, uh, their website, and you can find a place that you can just join a team for a day. Uh, They have teams all out and around the community. You can just jump in and join one of their teams and serve on the weekend or during the week. Uh, You can go to any of the community centers and help there. Uh, You can give. You can give financially. You can give to any of these like Samaritan's Purse. You can give to CAP. You can give to Appalachian Service Project. There's so many different places that you can give to help fund because this is going to be going on for a while. And so we want to continue to be the church, and we as a church are going to do things uh, again. Continue to do things in the future. Uh, so, um, so just keep finding a way to plug in. And so today, though, we are uh, in week two of our teaching series called "Contagious," and uh, and last week we talked about how the first century church was really contagious, like it spread like a wildfire uh, through Asia. And and we concluded last week we said that the twenty first century church. Uh, uh, can be contagious too, that the church today in 2022 can be just as, if not more contagious than the first century church, that we just need a few things. We said that we needed um, some courageous carriers, right? That we needed some infectious sneezes and we need a contagious virus, and so if you missed last week, I just invite you to go back online, watch it, and catch up with us. And uh, and my hope is, is that some of you took the opportunity to sneeze on some people this week. If you're like, what in the world does that mean? If you weren't here last week, you, you're you clueless. Again, go watch it and you'll figure it out. But, but I, I was um, listening to one story of someone who sneezed on someone this week, and I don't know if Tim's here today or not. Uh, Tim is a volunteer for uh, Crossroads Missions, and he's been kind of leading the charge over there in flood relief in Maytown and beyond. And uh, he's doing such an amazing job. But he was in here at church on Sunday, uh, last Sunday, and he, he was convicted by this idea of sneezing on people. He goes, you know what? I'm going to go over to Jenny Wiley. I'm going to see what's happening to Jenny Wiley. And uh, and he ran into one of the housekeepers there who was doing laundry. He goes, here's my chance. I'm going to sneeze on someone. And so he walked up to her and he said, hey, I just want you to know that I appreciate all you're doing for all of these people. Like I know that it's uh, tireless work. I know it's thankless work, but I want you to know I see you and I'm so grateful for what you're doing. And I just want to pray for you. Is there anything I can be praying for? And he just got the chance to bless this unsuspecting Housekeeper that was working up in the at the lodge, and and so that's what sneezing on people is all about. It's just it, it might be awkward at first, but it's a great opportunity just for us to put ourselves in places where people that are unchurched, people that uh, that are um, that don't have a church family, to just sneeze on them by asking them if we can pray for them or what we can do for them. And so I just want to invite you to continue to sneeze on people and don't keep the stories to yourself. Like share them, share them on Facebook or share them with me. Email me. Let me know. Uh, tell me in person what how you sneezed on people because I want to start asking you, how have you sneezed on people this week? And I want you to be able to say, oh, I did this or I did that. and uh, and, and let's spread this thing called the gospel. And so you see, here's what I know. I know that the Christian faith is a contagious one. The Christian faith was always designed to be Contagious. It's not designed to stay inside the walls of a monastery. It's not designed to stay inside the walls of a church building. It's not designed to stay inside the walls of a warehouse. It's not designed for that. It's designed. The gospel is designed for the streets. It's designed for homes. It's designed for neighborhoods. It's designed for places where you work. Its whole purpose from the very beginning was to be contagious And you see, here's what we're supposed to do, church. We're supposed to sneeze our faith. That's our mission. That's what Jesus told us to do, is to go and be his witnesses to all of the world. And you know, I'm thinking about that, and I was thinking about Warehouse Church. And I don't know if you know the story about how Warehouse Church got started. Some of you have been here since the very beginning. Others of you have not. And and in the summer of 2013, A group of about 70 people started gathering at Brian and Beth Griffith's house and and not sure, not sure what they were going to do, but knowing that God was leading them to start something. And so after much prayer, uh, that original group decided this. They decided to start a church for the unchurched people in Floyd County. And after meeting at the Griffiths House for many weeks, uh, they eventually moved to the convention center at Jenny Wiley and and started Ridgepoint Church. And they worked together each and every Sunday uh, morning as a portable church, setting up and tearing down, and they officially launched in February of 2014. And then just about two years later, in the summer of 2016, they purchased this building, the Warehouse And as they purchased the warehouse, they had their first service here in December of 2016. And guess what? Warehouse Church has been transforming lives ever since right here at 1674 Water Gap Road. That's the story of Warehouse Church. And it's always, and hear me when I say this, it's always been about being a church for the unchurched people in Floyd County, a church that would love differently so that others might know Jesus. And now many organizations, you know this, they have mission statements, right? They have statements that tell about why they exist. And and I'll just share a couple with you. Uh, Bass Pro Shop, uh, um, their, their mission is to inspire everyone to enjoy, love, and conserve the great outdoors, Uh, Walmart's mission statement is to save people money so that they can live better lives. Apple's mission statement is to bring the best user experience to its customers through its innovative hardware, software, and services. Many organizations have mission statements. And in Warehouse Church, we have a mission statement too. And ours says this, we say that we exist So that more people experience transforming relationships through Jesus Christ. That that's our mission statement. That's why we do what we do. But I want you to hear this. That this isn't just some fancy slogan that we throw around on t-shirts and our website and talk about on Sunday mornings. But this is the force, the driving force behind everything that we do. That when executive team or ministry teams or our advisory board gets together and we start talking about things that we feel like God's leading us to do, we always go back to our mission statement and we ask ourselves the question, how is this, whatever this is, how is this going to help us to transform people's lives through Jesus? And if it doesn't do that, we don't do it. Because this is the whole reason for why we do what we do. And so I thought about, well, where are the people? Where are the people that we want to see experience transforming relationships? Well, it's no secret that there are many people in Floyd County who don't go to church anywhere. That as I was getting to know Warehouse Church before we came here and as they were getting to know me, I heard more times. I heard, well, 90% of the people in our county don't go to church and that we want to be a church for those 90%. And, and so we became a church, listen, we became a church not to compete with other churches for their members. Like, we're not interested in drawing people from other churches. We're not interested in seeing how many people from DCC can come here, or how many people from the Methodist Church can come here, how many people from that church can come here. We're not interested in competing for other church members. The sole reason that we exist is that we became a church to compete with the devil for the people who have lost their lives. That's who we're competing with. We're competing with the evil one to see who can get those lost lives to come and to know Jesus. Our greatest desire, and I want you to hear this, our greatest desire is to meet people where they are, but lead them to where God wants them to be. That we believe that every person has a next step to take, and we wanna help them take their very next step. That's why Warehouse Church exists. We're not here to entertain you. We're not here to clog up your calendars with busy schedules. We're not here, we're not playing church. We are here for a mission and a purpose. You see, what we do here is way too important to play games. We will do whatever it takes. Hear me when I say that. We will do whatever it takes to reach people because why? Because the stakes are too high not to. And this morning, I want to look at a passage in the book of Acts. And if you've never read the book of Acts, let me just invite you to go ahead and read it. Like, it's, it's not a long book in the Bible. It's right after the Gospels. So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then you have Acts. And Acts is basically the continuation or the story after Jesus comes and dies on the cross, raises from the dead, and has now joined his Father in heaven, But before he leaves, he sneezes on some people, and those people get infected with the gospel virus. And the book of Acts is the story of that gospel virus spreading throughout all of Providence of Asia. And so I invite you, if you want to know how the first century church looked, go ahead and read Acts. And we're going to be hanging out in Acts chapter 4. And and, and in the chapters leading up to to Acts chapter 4, we see Peter. And believe it or not, Peter does something amazing and right. Like his mouth doesn't get him in trouble this time. He preaches a powerful message in the first few books of Acts. And he preaches such a powerful sermon that it leads 3,000 people to the Lord. That after this one sermon, 3,000 people in the crowd say yes to Jesus. And then after that, he and John heal a lame beggar that has been been lame forever. And, And then here's where we pick up. And what I want us to read in Acts chapter four, starting in verse one, and here's what it says. It says, the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to people. So Peter's given this really powerful message. 3,000 people have given their lives to the Lord. They now have healed this, uh, this lame beggar, and now the temple guard and the priests come up to them. And in verse two, it says, they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people. Proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. So this powerful sermon reaches 3,000 people, but then the virus goes contagious. It goes like a wildfire, and it starts spreading, and now 2,000 more people have said yes to Jesus. And then Peter and John have been put in jail. And then verse five, it says, the next day the rulers and the elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, Annas, the high priest, was there and there was Caiaphas and John and Alexander and others of the high priest's family. And they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, saying, by what power or what name do you do this? And so Peter... And John and the rest of the disciples are busy sneezing on people and spreading this gospel, this good news of Jesus. And the religious leaders of the time, they were not down with the message that they were spreading. So they arrest them. They arrest them and they put them in jail for the night. And then the next day, they began to uh, to just quiz them and question them and ask them one question after another. They interrogate them basically. And with this story as the backdrop, I want us to talk about the great lengths that the first century church went to because of the sake of the gospel and and how we at Warehouse Church can learn from this. And here's what I want to do is I want us to understand that the stakes are high. The stakes are high that people are not going to church, people are not hearing the good news, people uh, are are risking not being saved. The stakes are high. And because the stakes are high, that there are some things that we must do as a church that we can learn from this story in Acts chapter 4. And the first thing that I think we have to do is this. We have to do it for the sake of the gospel, Everything that we do, we have to do for the sake of the gospel. If you read on with me in Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 8, we see Peter and John's response to the religious leaders. And here's what he says, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. So if I had my Bible and my pen and I was studying this, I would underline, filled with the Holy Spirit, because that's big, that's important. It says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people... If we are being called to account for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how it was that he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you. In other words... God still does miracles. And he says this in verse 11, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. So Peter says something really important. He says, why am if you're asking why we did this and you're asking how we did this, he says, it's by the name of Jesus, who, by the way, you crucified But God raised from the dead. And he says, for Peter, the gospel was way too important to play around with. It was all about the gospel for him and for the other followers. It was always about Jesus. It was never about a leader. It was never about one pastor. It was never about a family. It was never about a building. It was always about Jesus. That every person that they ever talked to, they always pointed them to Jesus. And the truth is the most important message deserves the greatest attention. The most important messages always deserve the greatest attention. Our greatest message is the gospel, and it always deserves our greatest attention. So as a church, we will do whatever it takes. Hear me, we will do whatever it takes for the sake of spreading the gospel. People's number one need is not how, how to get their kids to behave. Their number one need is not how to feel, uh, get a better paying job. Their number one need is not about having a better marriage. The greatest need in our community is that they are lost and in need of a Savior. And so here's the deal. It's up to us to tell them. It's up to you and it's up to me, ordinary, everyday people, to tell them the good news that Jesus loves them. You see, our community is counting on us to be the ones to tell them about the good news that God loves them. That He not only loves them, but that He loves them so much that He sent His Son Jesus, who was without sin, to become sin on the cross to die and to be raised again from the dead so that anyone, and that includes every person in this room and every person in our city and every person in our county, so that everyone who calls on his name would be transformed, spiritually healed, and totally forgiven. That's the good news that they need us to tell them. You see, we do everything that we do here for the sake of the gospel. Secondly, we do what we do for the sake of our community, for the sake of our community. Does anyone agree with me that our community needs Jesus? Our community needs Jesus. And as a church, we must be constantly asking ourselves, what are we doing like, what are we doing to invite people to church? What are we doing to serve our community? How are we praying for our community? Are we being faithful and praying for those who are lost? We have to get what's happening in here and take it out there. Acts chapter 4, verse 12 goes on, and it says this. It says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. In other words, for us today, that means that politics aren't going to save us. Government, not going to save us. Money isn't going to save us. Good works aren't going to save us. The only thing that will save our community is Jesus. And our community needs us to spread the word of Jesus. Our community needs us to sneeze on them. You see, we do what we do for the sake of the gospel. We do what we do for the sake of our community. And third, we do what we do for the sake of the church. Listen, the church is not a business. The church is not an organization. The church is Is God's plan for spreading this virus called the gospel. That's what the church is. Jesus said that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not stand against her. In other words, for God and for Jesus, the church is a big deal. Just say that with me. The church is a big deal. Look to the person next to you and say, hey, the church is a big deal. Like wake them up, they're falling asleep in those comfy seats. Wake them up, say the church is a big deal. It was important, y'all. It was important to Jesus. It was important to the disciples. It was important to the first century Christians and it ought to be important to us. And why? Why is the church such a big deal? It's a big deal because it's God's plan for advancing the gospel. There is no plan B. God created the church for the sole purpose of advancing the gospel. The church has always been God's idea. But I don't think, I'm pretty positive, that God's idea was not for us to just gather once a week and then go about our lives as if nothing happened. Like, that's never was God's idea. God's design was for us to be the church every single day and every day single week of every single season. You see, the church is not the walls. The walls, that's just a building. The church is you and me. We are the church, and we are called not just to be the church at 9 30 and 11 on Sunday morning. God has called us to be the church every day of the week. Jump ahead with me to Acts chapter nine verse thirty-one. I want you to hear about the church back then. It says, "So the church throughout all of Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was being built up." So what it's saying is the church was growing. It was growing. It was. It was. It was growing and it was building and it was becoming uh, what God designed it to be. It says, "And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit." What do those last two words say? it multiplied. The church was spreading like a virus in the first century church because the first century Christians were doing everything they could for the sake of the gospel. They were doing everything they could for the sake of the community. They were doing everything they could for the sake of the church. The church was growing because it was fulfilling its mission as it walked with the Lord and as it followed the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's a big deal. That's huge that we need to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. We don't come to the Lord and say, God, here's what we want. Here's what we want to do. Bless us. That's not what we do. But we pray and we say, God, what is it that you desire for Warehouse Church? Where do you want us to go? What church do you want us to be? And then we listen and we obey and we become the church God created us to be. So we have to always remember that the church was God's idea. It may look different today than it did 2,000 years ago, but it is still the vehicle that God uses to transform lives. It's still the virus that he uses to make the church contagious. So don't ever forget the importance of being the church. And then finally, we do what we do, and this is huge, and this is the most important one, We do what we do for the sake of the one. We do what we do for the sake of the one. What do I mean by that? We do what we do for the sake of the one who needs Jesus for the one who needs to know that God loves them and that Jesus died for them. That's why we do what we do. We do it for the addict who is struggling to get clean. We do it for the grandma who's raising her grandchildren. We do it for the dad who is struggling to make ends meet. We do it for the student who's trying to figure out their identity. We do it for the single mom that is overwhelmed. We do it for the middle-aged person who is struggling with depression. We do it all for the sake Of the one. You see, Peter and John they ended up in prison that night because they did it for the sake of the one. Because for the sake of the one lame beggar that they healed that day, they did it for the sake of the one. There was huge crowds, but then there was one. And Peter and John left the crowds to follow the one. And it wasn't a Jesus that said, I'll leave the 99 for the one. Nine years ago this summer, believe it or not, nine years ago this summer, Warehouse Church gave birth. And it started, and it started intentionally for the purpose of reaching the unchurched people in Floyd County. And nine years later, it continues to be that church. I don't know if you understand what a miracle that is, but new churches, most of them die. Most new church plants die about a year in. Nine years later, here you are, continuing to be the church for the unchurched people in Floyd County. And let me tell you something, over those past nine years, you've seen God do some amazing things. God has done some wonderful things. People's lives have been saved. People have been baptized. Lives have been transformed. People have taken their next step in their faith, and they're moving from where they were to where God wants them to be. And that's already an amazing legacy. It's already a miracle, but, but, and I want you to hear this, I believe that the best is yet to come for Warehouse Church. I believe the best is yet to come. I believe that God wants even more for us. I believe that God wants to use us to reach more and more and more and more people in Floyd County, that God wants us to reach the recovering addict, that God wants us to reach the grandmas that are raising their their grandchildren, that God wants us to reach the dads that are struggling to make ends meet. God wants us to reach the single moms. God wants us to reach the students that are struggling with their identity, that God wants us to be the church. And here's what I need you to do. I need you to get on board with the mission to see more people experiencing transformation through Jesus Christ. I need you to start sneezing on people. I need you to start inviting them to church. I need you to start sharing your story with other people. I need you to start finding a place to serve. I need you to start taking your next step so that others might take their first step. I need you to get on board with the mission to be the church so that many, many, many more people can experience transforming relationships through Jesus. I need you to be the church for the sake of the gospel. I need you to be the church for the sake of our community. I need you to be the church for the sake of the church. I need you to be the church for the sake of the one. Listen, Warehouse, let's continue to love differently. Let's continue to live real lives Let's continue to think legacy. Let's continue to grow in our faith and let's celebrate God's big story and let's celebrate the thousands of little stories that he's gonna write right here in Floyd County. You see, God wants you to be the church out there. It's not enough. To be the church in here. It's easy to be the church in here. It's comfortable, even more so now with the new chairs, to be the church in here. But God never called us to be the church in here. He called us to be the church out there. Would you pray with me? Father God, Lord, we just want to say thank you, God, for rescuing us. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for sending Jesus, who was without sin, to be sin on our behalf, to die on the cross, but not stay on the cross, but rather raise from the dead so that we might have everlasting life with you. God, thank you. That amazing gift. And Father, my prayer for us this morning is this that out of gratitude, out of gratitude for all that you've done for us, that we would go and be your church in the hollers, in the workplace, in the neighborhoods. The homes and the parks and the schools and the grocery store, wherever we go, that we would be your church. Because Lord, here's what I know: our community right now is in such a place that they are open, so open to hearing your gospel of love. And hope because they're hopeless and they're hurting. So, God, would we again out of gratitude, not because we have to, not because you told us to, but simply out of gratitude for all that you've done for us, would we go and be the church for you? And Lord, if there's someone in this room today who's never experienced salvation has never experienced your forgiveness, who's never experienced the love and the hope that you give. Father, I pray that today would be the day that they would say yes to you. God, your word says that it's so simple that all we have to do is believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that you are Lord and Savior. And the Bible says that we will be saved So if that's you this morning, I just invite you to just confess with your mouth. Just say, Lord, I recognize that I'm a sinner that I have not experienced salvation, but today I want to experience your salvation. Would you come and rescue me from my sin, from myself? Lord, would you give me that love and that hope that you promise. Come and be my Lord and Savior. Just pray that, just pray that you and the Lord and the rest of us, Lord, I pray that we would be courageous, that we would have the courage to share the gospel, to be the church out there. That's where it matters. It matters more out there than it does in here. Help us to be the church, Lord, to a hurting and dying world. We love you. Thank you for loving us in the many ways that you do. In your name we pray. Amen. I just want to invite you right now to stand with me and we're going to sing our last song together. And as we do, Um, Every week we invite you to come down to the altar area. Our house is your house, and so you are welcome here. Uh, If you want to come and pray, uh, maybe you ask Jesus into your life. You just want to come and reaffirm that and and have a conversation with the Lord. Maybe you want someone to come pray with you. I'll be right here on the front row. I'd be honored to pray with you. But as we worship, uh, whatever your heart needs, if you need to come pray, you pray. If you need to sing, sing. If you need to give your life to the Lord, give your life to the Lord. Whatever you need. Uh, This is your time. Let's worship.